HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by MOFAD, the Museum of Food and Drink. For more information, visit mofad.org. I'm Damon Bolte, host of The Speakeasy. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Love Bites is produced by Heritage Radio Network, a nonprofit, member supported radio station devoted to all things food. Help keep HRN alive by becoming a member today. Go to heritageradionetwork.org and click on the beating heart to donate. Do it now, and we shall cheers to your beautiful, lovely name. <laughs> I don't know. Welcome to Love Bites, coming at you live from Heritage Radio Network. Today is Monday, August 8th. I'm one of your hosts, Jacqueline Raposo. I write about people who make food. You can find me as wordsfoodart.com. I'm 35, straight and single. And I'm your other host, Ben Rosenblatt. I'm an actor, writer, occasional bartender, and server. You can check me out at benrosenblattactor.com. I am 33 for another few days, straight and in a relationship. Ooh. Why is relationship italicized on here and single because not? Because I'm still excited for you. Because oh, so I've been single forever. And in the relationship, this is only like two weeks into you having that As an actor, I'm just like, how do I interpret those italics? <laughs> in a relationship. Yeah. Um, so after the break today, we're going to be speaking with sommelier and author Diane McMartin of This Calls for a Drink. In her book, she's paired wine and beer for not only special occasions like barbecues and holiday parties, but also for all stages of dating, love, and heartbreak, as well as Netflix binging. Uh, so keep listening for that after our commercial break. And since we're going to be talking about booze and love today, the irony is that neither of us are drinking right now now despite me like foaming at the mouth earlier for our announcement um <laughs> I, we're not we're completely sober um because i don't feel well and benny you got a big audition after the show today. yeah don't, yeah i don't like you know i just i don't it. like now you're just like make <laughs> me feel like good karma well thank you it's but now i feel karma. like if i don't book it everyone's gonna be like oh you such is the life up that audition. such is the life what Benjamin? else is new bad you big failure you. I believe in you, Benjamin. Um, but we're going to talk about alcohol and love and dating today. So to start off the show, let's each share the drunkest we've been on a first date. You start. 
Okay, mine is like, I totally know what it is already. I want to say it's like a year, year and a half ago. I forget, but the guy totally did the most sexy thing ever and got us tickets to a live taping of Prairie Home Companion, which for me basically could have gotten me into bed with that alone. And then he brings a little flask of whiskey in. So like 10 minutes into being seated, he's like, hey, do you want some whiskey? And I was like, oh my God, I love you. But the problem was we started drinking whiskey, like one of the, a little bottle okay. while watching the show. And then we were feeling good. And so we're like, all right, let's go out. So we took a subway down to Virgula, one of my favorite uh, wine bars uh, and a former business partner of the show and guest. Uh, so we basically like on the way down, we like finished the little bottle of whiskey and then went and had cocktails and we're like macking all over each other at Virgula and I would and like I actually liked him like we had a lot in common and we were both sort of nerdy and naturey but I got alcoholics apparently as well let's not leave that out like just way too drunk and I don't think I did anything inappropriate by any means but let's just say that there was not a second date between us like and it was and you blame it on the alcohol yeah why because I don't know what they're saying in the booth. Blame it on the what? The, uh, 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 um, I can't do it as well as David can. The, uh, just, uh, 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 what did, uh, I don't even can know. Can you do that the, one? No, I don't even know what you're talking All right, about. I just... <laughs> but yes, I do blame it on the Why? alcohol of, pop, of the pop reference I don't get. Um, because it just got like it was sloppy by the end of the night. And I felt I don't know. Like you were... All I know is I don't know. All I know is that I didn't we didn't have a second date and it was not by my choosing and things were going very well. Did you try reaching out to him or no? I did. But he had like he has a place in Florida, this awesome little tree house. And it just didn't. Anyway, it didn't. It didn't happen. So how about you? So that was my most recent to drunkenness on a first date. What about you? When I've been like racking my brain to think about being really drunk on a first date and i think somehow i have been like really well behaved on all my first dates when it comes to like drinking i mean i've definitely been buzzed but i don't know that i was like getting sloshed on whiskey in the audience of a show um I will say I have two I things though. What? Don't be right now in shame. <laughs> no, it's I feel a little ashamed <laughs> that in my wild party days I didn't like. I mean, I will say this. One is that like my serious girlfriend Stephanie, who I dated for a long time, she and I. Um, you just flinched at actually having said her name. I know we don't. We haven't said any names on this show. No. That was like the first victim of the mold has been broken. All right, so you and Stephanie. So. We were just like drunk around each other for the first like three years of our relationship. So <laughs> why didn't it work out? <laughs> I don't know. I'm a little confused. We got into some heated exchanges, I must say, um, so over the talk- years. Drunk, and then I will tell a story about someone else being drunk on a date that I was Uh-oh. on a first date. I met this girl out one night, and we were drinking when we were out, and like we went back to her place, and then. Um, we met up again, and like she was already kind of drunk when I met up with her. I think you, I remember you. And then we were like that. drinking and drinking and drinking, and she was so wasted. Like I don't even know like how she got so drunk, but she was so drunk that she started just like handing like fifty dollar bills as tip with every drink she was getting at what? the bar. What did she do? And <laughs> I don't know. She was an actor, which I, was but like something else yeah, on like, her side. Seriously. Um, and then we went back to her place and just in time for her to like start vomiting, vomiting all over the place 
like all over her own all right stuff. i've never done that i've never done that okay well let's let's broaden from first dates to to alcohol in general because we're going to be talking with diane later about alcohol in life um so what is your relationship with alcohol like in general right now benjamin a very intimate relationship with yeah. alcohol um i you know i wouldn't say i definitely don't party the way I used to when I was no. younger and fresh out of college. And, and by fresh out of college, I mean like eight years out of college. <laughs> um, but now I'm mean, I just, I can't, I couldn't drink like that if I wanted God, to. My no. body Remember cannot the stuff handle. That, all right, so listeners, we've known each other since like 1999 when I was a I freshman in college like and Ben was visiting us at college. I, we've had some very drunken times together. Oh, my Benning. God. Like, falling into campfires. And, like, I fell into a lake once. I fell out of a canoe and hit my head on a rock uh, that my was, senior year of college. That was, you know, know, we've had yeah. some dangerous times. We've had some dangerous like, times Like, I feared together. for both my and your lives yeah. several times as a result of alcohol. Yeah. And we should give a shout-out right now. One of our good friends from college... Um, we'll call her Muffin, is listening. And Muffin also experienced some very, very drunken oh my evenings God. with us. <laughs> remember, remember, Muffin, remember Benny and falling into the tent? Okay, remember come on. That? All right. <laughs> Just because you night. got wasted on your first date and blew it doesn't mean you have to go blowing up my face. spot on well, everything. Let's just put it you know what? I'm proud of how much we parted when we were younger because we are alive and we are responsible adults now, almost, maybe, sort of, kind of. Like, I'm glad that we, we can't party like we used to. Like, your body, you, like, you, you know, our bodies can't do that anymore. If you were going to go back and do it again, would you drink the same amount? Well, the only thing I would change, like there was a period when I got Lime again in college, I, ha- I could only drink straight vodka because I couldn't have wine. I couldn't have sugar. And like vodka was like the purest, simplest thing to drink. And so luckily we all had we had great friends in college, like and it was not that, like it is now where there's all these camera phones. And we just had really like I remember once the first time like we were out in the woods somewhere in college and I was sit- sipping my Stoli Chania little bottle by myself and I was sitting on a tree and there was a campfire and there was a river and Muffin was there and uh, the next thing I know I woke up in my boyfriend's bed. I didn't think he was my boyfriend at that point but we were friends and I was wearing like his pajamas and like you guys were there hanging out and like I was completely safe. So the only thing I would say going back is like to slow it down when you're learning how to drink straight alcohol. I don't do well with liquor unless mm. it's like a hot toddy and like I have two of them. I don't think my stomach has ever been able to hold to handle liquor. So I think I would just like looking back, I would just tell myself to slow down a little bit. God muffins, 21st birthday party. That was another bad one. I don't know if you remember that there was a lake. I was making cocktail anyway. Well, what about you? Would you tell your younger self anything? I mean, I think differently? I, I tend to think that I have you live and learn. I don't really have any regrets in life or anything like that. Simply by virtue of the fact that I feel like I'm the person I am now because of all of the, Wild, Great, tragic, things. beautiful, hilarious mistakes I've made yeah. throughout the years. Um, but thank you, David, for getting <laughs> applause from the booth over there. Um, but not to mention the fact that if some like old version of me was trying to like tell myself not to drink more, <laughs> like I don't think the me from then would like <laughs> really listen well. yeah. too well to that. Yeah, I don't think that us of back then listened to each other very well. We're like, maybe you should slow down. Fuck you. As <laughs> as other than that one date, has drinking ever caused a problem in your dating or relationships? No, the guy I dated for 10 years, I do remember like when he moved in with me, we got drunk on Cinco de Mayo off margaritas and I do remember screaming at him 
in a taxi to the point that he got out of the taxi and went back to hang out with our friends. Whoa. And that was bad because I like stayed at home in our apartment. He had moved into my apartment and I stayed up until like four waiting for him to come home. Um, but we were like transitioning through a rough period of moving in together, you right. know? So like... Other than that, no, because I don't. I'm not. I don't have a. Pro- I've never had. I'm very lucky that I've never had a problem with alcohol, except you? not having enough. <laughs> no, I've definitely <laughs> had enough. How about you? Do you feel like you've ever had a borderline? Well, like I said, that problem? first, re- that like really serious relationship. But again, it sounded like it was a college. toxic relationship it in some ways too. Kind of. Well, it, like our friends used to like not want to be around us when we were drinking. See, that's a problem because we would like both black out and get in like massive fights. Like, we would get in rip-roaring fights and then, like, wake up the next day and be like, <laughs> we fought, you know? Like, and not even remember it, you know? Yeah, um, so that sounds like that was, it was, alcohol was a problem, but other things were a problem in that relationship, too. Totally. Um, and then I also, do you remember, of course, when we did our thing recently where we asked questions of our past yeah. relationships? Yeah, and, that was the beginning of our spring season, yes. I believe. Yeah. So one of the responses I got from a different girlfriend was that at the time she didn't like how much I drank and that it like inconvenienced her and was a problem mm. for her and I never knew that at the time I mean I maybe kind of assumed that like, how old were, were you during that relationship uh, 28 29 so in that transitional adult <laughs> for us I still feel like 28 29 was transitional wait you're an adult um, now I th- because I'm I feel like I'm ready to... I'm, I'm like six or seven years, I'll be ready to make that transition. Oh, I don't even know what that means anymore. Um, all right, so, it ha- so it's been a problem and a not problem for both of us. But like, you know, like we were saying before, we're still alive to tell the tale. I don't feel like it's a problem now. I love alcohol. I love not having alcohol, too. Like... It, you love not having alcohol? Sometimes, yeah, sometimes when I don't have. Oh, I mean, I like, love not, like drinking. not drinking. Yeah, yeah I like okay. going out and not drinking, you know, sometimes, Do too. You? Like, go, like, what about when everyone else is drinking and you're not? It depends on how I want my body to feel, because I do not recover. If I have two glasses of wine in the morning, it's like I've had two bottles of wine. Like, it's just the way my body is now. Do you think you could seriously date someone who, like, never drinks, doesn't drink, doesn't touch alcohol? I don't know. I think so. Yes, 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 I could. I don't know why I hesitated. Yes, I could. I, but the thing is, I like alcohol like I like food. So, like, I like to cook with somebody and drink wine, you know. But as long as they don't judge me, I won't judge them. And somebody who doesn't would be a healthier influence on me. I'd rather date somebody who doesn't drink than date somebody who is constantly drinking because I fall into habits of other people very easily. Not dangerously and not, like, giving myself up in a way, you know. But, like, it's just easier to drink more when someone else is drinking. When someone else is drinking. Yeah. Like, my current lady likes to drink and like we both like to drink and so that's like a fun but it's not a problem like it was in that relationship you mentioned before no because i'm not getting like blacked out anymore see you are growing up i think it's time to take a break and bring in the expert what do you think benjamin an expert might be able to help us yeah we're gonna we're gonna ask her about her her dark habits uh before the break though i just want to say next week is our last show of the summer season which means it's also the last show of our first year of love bites High five, Booth. Um, Heritage Radio has helped us bring you... <laughs> yeah! Was that a kazoo? It sounded like a kazoo. <laughs> um, Heritage Radio has helped us bring you 42 shows in one year, and we are so thankful to the team here for letting us do so. So please do us a favor and throw some love to our nonprofit, member-supported, Brooklyn-based radio station by jumping onto heritageradionetwork.org, click on the beating heart, and become a member today. If you are already a member... 
thank you. Tweet us, Facebook us, email us, smooch us back if you want um, at lovebitesradio at gmail.com. And just let us know what you love to listen to, what you want to hear more of. We read every message, and we love you all so much. Uh, Now stick around for a quick commercial break, and we will be back with Diane McMartin for more talk about drinking and love. Music for this commercial break is brought to you by Talkstar, and this one's called Vicodin Dreams. Hi, this is Peter Kim, the executive director of MOFAD, the Museum of Food and Drink. We're a nonprofit founded by Dave Arnold, the host of Cooking Issues here on the Heritage Radio Network, and we want to take people on a learning adventure through the world of food. We just opened MOFAD Lab, our gallery space at 62 Bayard Street in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, where we are currently showing flavor, making it, and faking it. Flavor features some very cool sensory interaction. Flavor tablets deliver tastings of vanilla and umami. And the Willy Wonka-inspired smell synth lets you compose over half a million different flavors. So come on by and visit MoFad Lab. We're open five days a week, and tickets are $5 for kids and $10 for adults. Learn more about the Museum of Food and Drink at mofad.org. Diane McMartin is a certified sommelier and a graduate of the Culinary Institute of America's Accelerated Wine and Beverage Certificate Program. She's also the author of This Calls for a Drink, The Best Wines and Beers to Pair with Every Situation, published by Workman this past June. Along with pairing wine and beer for events, various stages of dating, work, holidays, weddings, music festivals, and baby showers, it also offers tips on tasting, buying, and serving, profiles of great varieties, and insight into topics like hops and wood aging. Diane lives in Washington, D.C., from where she's calling into the show. Welcome to Love Bites, Diane. Hello. Hi. (laughs) Nice to hear your voice. Um, So we asked you uh, to pair a wine and a beer for two radio hosts in Brooklyn. And while we are not drinking today, because we both have stuff going on, because we're lame, we are going to be drinking these probably next week for our last show. So for wine, you picked an Italian rosé, something made from maybe a Nebbiolo. And for a beer, you mentioned something that's a little bit bitter, but has like a sweet, sour fruit element. So to start out, um, tell us, how did you come up with making pairings for a summer radio show in Brooklyn? Well, um, you know, I wanted to, I always try to pair, um, you know, whatever I come up with, with kind of like the general weather, what it's like outside. So I don't want to give you guys anything like super heavy. So, you know, rosé is kind of an obvious choice. Um, But then I also wanted to play on the whole, you know, like love can be a little bit bittersweet kind of thing. So I didn't want to give you like a super trendy, pale, pale pink um, Provencal rosé. You know, um, so I wanted to give you something with, like, a little more depth and body. And so usually rosés that are made from grapes like Nebbiolo have a little bit more of that. Um, And same with the beer. I wanted to give you something that had a combination of, like, sort of a sweet element, like fruit, and then sort of a more bitter element from the hop. So I chose, like, a fruity American pale ale for that. Love it. Listeners, we're going to put what she sent us on our website if you want to be drinking along with us next week when we have our final show. Awesome. With moderation, please. With moderation, there, of course. Listeners. Um, Diane, as a sommelier, I'm curious because I try to do this sometimes when I'm on a date. Like I try to like pick the right thing for my date. What is the biggest mistake you think someone can make when ordering for the couple on a first date? 
Well, first of all, you're not alone because I have friends literally text me screenshots of the wine list. Like, <laughs> on the like, date? He's in the bathroom. What do I order? You are a good oh friend God. to have. You are so a very good you're friend. you're not alone in worrying about this. But, you know, I think the main thing is that, you know, you shouldn't go too fancy. I think first dates should be all, like, light and easy. And so the wine that you choose should kind of reflect that. So kind of think Prosecco instead of, like, vintage champagne, mm. you know? Save us a little money on the on the price point there too. So thank yeah. you for letting us off the hook. So has a has a guy or a gal ever made a big mistake with you on a first date? I assume that if other people are texting you screenshots of um, of wine lists, that like are guy are people really intimidated with you when you go out? Like, do you have to order all the time? Oh, I yeah, I always have. I- yeah, I'm always the orderer. I just am used to it now. Like, I'm every time I go out with my friends, my family, someone I'm dating, they just like hand me the list. Like, it's just I've accepted that that's my role in life. Um, but you know, I, I think kind of like I mentioned before, like the the only time that I've ever really felt like oh, that was kind of a weird move was I did have somebody who did suggest ordering like a really expensive. I think it was like Dom or something like crazy um, on a first date, and I just sort of felt like I don't know, it was sort of intimidating. It's like too much pressure, yeah. you know. So I think that's really the only i think that's really the only mistake that you can make do you like the role of being the one who orders like especially on a date or do you sometimes want your date to kind of impress you with you know their own knowledge of wine or whatever no i actually i really don't mind being the one who orders i also don't want people to feel like they shouldn't just drink what they like you know whether that's you know, Sprite or Guinness or like, I don't care. Um, But I also, I really enjoy the process of kind of figuring out somebody's palate and like figuring out what they like. So, you know, I like being able to just like ask them a couple of questions about, you know, what they like to drink and then pick something that I think that they'll like. Um, Cause you know, it's kind of a fun like party trick and you know, sure. I don't know. Do you, do you feel <laughs> I like, like doing it? I don't mind. Do you feel like when you figure out what kind of wine someone's like, someone likes you also figure anything else out about their personalities? Like what can you learn about someone by the type of wine they drink? You know, that's a really interesting question. And what I have found, there isn't so much a correlation between people's personality and what they like to drink so much as there, I have noticed a big correlation with like people who make wine and beer and what they like. And there's this strange like inverse relationship. I've noticed that tiny people tend to make really big, bold wines and like sometimes bigger, burlier people make really delicate, elegant wines. I've noticed this like weird inverse thing over and over again. Like when I meet winemakers or, you know, I work in a wine store and sometimes we have, you know, winemakers come and, you know, do classes or things like that for us. And it's weird. Like I notice it over and over. So that's the only thing I've really noticed. I find that, you know, what people what people like to what people like to eat and drink doesn't have so much to do with their personality it's more like how open they are to trying new things and figuring out what they like that says more about their personality mm-hmm. than the thing itself i think yeah, and I was actually just thinking that before when you mentioned that you can't really correlate a personality type. That yeah, it's a lot about are they open to or like I love that that little thing in Sideways. Like I'm not going to drink any fucking Merlot, and like what that did to like the Merlot industry because all of a sudden people who thought they were smart wine people weren't going to order Merlot when there's like I know, I a lot of really Merlot. good Merlot. There's great Merlots out there. Exactly, and like the same <laughs> thing with like oh I don't drink Chardonnay. You know, it's like more about people who are closed minded or open minded or trying to pretend they're smart on things. Um, yeah, yeah. So how about in your own love life? 
life? Like, is there a type of drinker that you just like won't date or something like on, like while dating, you've just learned that happens over and over. That's sort of like a trigger for you or that you're like, all right, I just in, you know, instinctually this kind of drinker doesn't work for me. You know, not really, because I have had, like, a whole, the whole range, you know, from people who are really into, you know, to beverages and food and things like that, that, you know, just like I am. And so it's, like, something that we like together. And I've also dated people who really don't know anything about wine or food. And, you know, um, I think that as long as the person, you know, doesn't, like, totally rain on my parade and, like, isn't, you know, just sort of isn't into my, like, hobby slash obsession <laughs> at all, um, you know, that's, like, a little bit sad. Um, um, the only thing that I've really noticed is that I don't tend to get along with guys who like really super big hoppy beers. Um, I don't have a huge like sample size, but I've just noticed a couple of times like if that's kind of like their go-to, sometimes that's you know that's that's turned into a little bit of a red flag for me. I don't know why that is. Huh. But. Well, Ben asked me before the break something that I was not caught on guard to ask, and I did not send you this question beforehand. But could you date somebody who does not drink at all? You know, I think that I could, but I think it would be I think it would be a little bit tricky just because I would feel sort of like I don't know, it would be like like if you were a painter and you were dating somebody colorblind, like, you know, it's like something that I love so much, so I think it would be it would just be like a little bit sad to not be able to share it with that person. Um, so, you know, I think it would be possible, but it definitely would, you know, it would make me a little bit sad to not be able to, you know, like let them try something that I really love or like take them to a winery or something like that. So makes sense completely. Um, so shifting to your book a little bit, how do you go about pairing wine and beer for things that are not just like, oh, for this type of dish or this type of occasion? Like when you were coming up with all these pairings in the book, how did you sort of put yourself in a position to be like, for a Netflix binge, drink this? Well, I think that, you know, it's sort of, I think it's something that we all kind of instinctively do anyway, whether it's with food or beverages or, you know, all those things tend to carry a lot of emotional weight for us. And especially alcoholic beverages, they're kind of symbolic of, you know, celebrations and all kinds of things like that. So, you know, I think a lot of us are like most of the way there. We just haven't really like gone that extra step and thought of something specific. So I would always try to kind of think of, you know, what does this type of beverage like symbolize? So that's part of it. And then I would also try to take things into consideration like, you know, how do you want to feel? You know, what kind of mood do you want to set? So, you know, do you want something casual? Usually things that are less expensive um, or less fancy are going to feel more casual. So I kind of went about it that way. I remember a couple years ago, I had a friend who was a private chef who really taught me how to be braver with wine because he sort of gave me a way of thinking about it while I was drinking it and how to pull out certain flavors. Do you have any sort of um, suggestions for like somebody, if they, if you, if we walk into like a big wine store or a beer store with like all of the, like all of these options, can you sort of give us a, like, think about this, this, and this when we're like, all right, I'm going to make dinner for this date that I have, or I just got my heart broken and I need to be comforted with something. Do you have just like a, a one, two, three, that you could help listeners when they just sort of walk into a store and not know exactly what they want when they walk in? Sure. Um, well, I think the first thing to do is if you're in a store that specializes in wine and beer, 
ask the employee. I love getting questions like that, um, and I've found that my customers more and more will ask me things like that. Like if they're looking for a gift, I will ask them like about the person, you know, the recipient's personality, and I will kind of use that to help pick something. Have you ever had um, somebody come in and say, "I just got dumped. Give me something"? You know, I haven't had anybody do that yet, but I'm like, I'm so excited for it. Although I did recently have somebody who, um, you know, I, I was trying to look up their sort of their purchase log in our computer system, and it turned out, I kind of put my foot in my mouth, it turned out that she had just been divorced from this person. And so, but it actually turned into like a really, it turned into a really nice moment because I created like a whole new, like a fresh new, you know, purchase log for her. And then Aww. I helped her like choose something fun to sort of like celebrate her new life um so it actually turned out to be nice and she was very sweet to me even though i kind of you know i kind of made a little faux pas there um it happens it happens yeah i mean i think you know you kind of want to think about think about how you want to feel and sort of the level of formality that you want you know do you want something sort of casual and easy well then maybe choose like an inexpensive Pinot Grigio with a screw cap, or do you want something that really, you know, sort of says, like, I mean business, you know, for, I don't know, like an important dinner, you know, then maybe you want to choose, like, kind of a stately red, like Bordeaux, you know, mm. so. Jacqueline and I, earlier in the show, were talking about our sort of the trajectory of our relationships, our individual relationships with alcohol over the years. You've been saying how much you love drinking and enjoy sharing alcohol and your love for it. Yet many of us have also kind of escaped into alcohol in dark times. So here's like a kind of a personal question for you. Have you ever found that to be a problem for you? And if so, like, can you explain that a little bit? And how did you cope with that? You know, my issue tends to be I tend not to drink when I'm sad. I more have an issue when I'm happy. So I'm that person that, you know, sometimes forgets that I can't drink like I did when I was 21 anymore, um, you know, like at parties and stuff. And so that's more of my problem. When I'm sad, I tend to just, like, want to be alone and, like, drink tea or, like, call my mom and cry. So, so what happens when you're really um, happy and you yeah. drink too much? But I think, you know, I think the main thing is that we all have a tendency when we're sad to retreat into something. And everybody has that thing, whether it's alcohol or, you know, work or, you know, Girl Scout cookies. Like, everybody has that, you know, has something. And so I think if you can fight that urge to kind of, like, turn in and hide in something or hide behind something and sort of reach out instead, I think that usually is really helpful. Because I have a tendency to kind of, you know, hole up a little bit and, like, not want to go out if I'm sad. So if I kind of fight that urge a little bit and call a friend or, you know, like kind of try to get myself out a little bit, that usually helps and I kind of gets me over it a little bit faster. Good advice. Very good advice. Um, to try to dig a little bit more personally about the dirt in your life, though, we're going to ask you the same question <laughs> that we started the show off with that we asked each other, which is what is the drunkest you've ever been on a first date? You know, I've never really been that drunk on a first date. Damn date. you two. <laughs> no, I said damn the both of you. Because I haven't really either, and but Jacqueline I, I had a story I about... I did make the mistake recently of, like, not 
eating dinner before I met somebody for drinks, and it was that awkward, like, it's sort of still dinner time, but, like, he wasn't ordering anything, and I was like, oh, I was, like, starting to get a little bit hangry, and then I made the mistake of having a second glass of wine, and the combination of those two things, I got, like, a little bit feisty, and I think I started, like, spouting off about something political that was, like, a little bit too much for a first date, and, yeah, now I keep granola bars in my purse, so... <laughs> That's really lesson you learned. Get, you get feisty and Uber, like wolfing down a cliff bar like, on my way. So, so now, so now, listeners uh, and Diane's friends, now you know how to get her feisty and political. Just deprive her of food and give her a second glass of wine. My friends all know this about me, and if they want to take me to a restaurant where they know we're going to have to wait, they will text me and be like, "Diane, please eat a snack in the cab because Aww. we don't want to deal with you being <laughs> angry." Those are good friends. They don't want to unleash the beast. Those are yeah. good friends. Um, um, Diane, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, this was really fun. And listeners, her book is beautiful. This calls for a drink. The best wine and beer to pair with every situation. Published by Workmen. It's beautiful. It's a really fun read. And it makes those of us who do drink after a heartbreak or when they're sad feel better about what we are drinking. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Diane. Thanks, Diane. Oh, thank you. This was so much fun. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Listeners, Bye. you can find Diane at dianemcmartin.com and on Goodreads and Amazon and on Twitter as at Diane McM3. We highly suggest you do. And then all of her information and links to purchasing are on our website, lovebitesradio.com. Benjamin, we're done for the week. We are. And next week is our final show of the season. Yes, it is. I'm excited. So, listeners, we are coming back for. Um, I don't know why I'm speaking. I like don't know a, why I'm uh, speaking. Because I just. I don't know why I sat up you and set got the tone. very. I did. I did. Uh, next week, listeners, come back for our. Uh, we're bringing back the roundtable discussion on dating cliches. Let's break them down. Um, I like ending the season this way. It's really fun because next season we're kicking things off a little bit more seriously. Our first show, Ben is going to be doing the bro show while I'm. I don't know how serious town. that's going to be. I'm that's just not going to be serious. That out there. That like, one is not going to be serious. But the rest of the season, it's going to be very serious love fights here. So this season, we're finishing it off with something fun. So please come back next week to listen to that. Um, until then, thanks to our engineer, P. Diggity, and David back in the booth today. P. Diggity. Uh, our theme song is Give Love by Josh Dion, and we are Jacqueline Raposo and Ben. And Rosenblatt will be back at the same time next week here at heritageradionetwork.org. Later. for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.